We are in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. If you're using a pew Bible this morning, that's page 958. We will begin in chapter 11, starting in verse 17. But in the following instructions, I do not commend you, because when I come, when we come together, it is not for the better, but for the worse. For in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you. And I believe it in part, for there must be factions among you in order that those who are genuine among you may be recognized. When you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper that you eat. For in eating, each one goes ahead with his own meal. One goes hungry, another gets drunk. What? Do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? What shall I commend you in this? No, I will not. For I receive from the Lord what I also deliver to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, The cup, this cup, is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whoever, therefore, eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and the blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many of you are weak and ill, and some have died. But if we judged ourselves truly, we would not be judged. But then, we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined, so that we may not be condemned along with the world. So then, my brothers, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. If anyone is hungry, let him eat at home, so that when you come together, it will not be for judgment. About the other things, I will give directions when I come. This is the word of the Lord. Let me say just a couple of things before we look at this text this morning that uh, that Jason mentioned as well, but to tag on to them. One is tonight. I hope that you'll come back tonight to this gathering at 7 o'clock in the youth center. Um, he mentioned picking up the packets that will be available and bringing those back with you if you come tonight. Um, I have some things I want to say tonight to you. We're moving into this new leadership um, system that we passed a few weeks ago, and we want to talk a bit about that and uh, affirm those who will lead us forward. I I hope that if you can make an adjustment in your schedule, uh, that you can come and be there. Whether you're officially um, united with us in membership or not, I think it's valuable for you to come tonight and to be there and to, to hear what we want to say and see what we're doing. I think those packets are incredibly important for you to take and to look at. Uh, we want to have openness and, in fiscal kinds of ways and accountability. And so they're for you to take and to look at and to know and, and ask questions about. Uh, I just hope, hope that you'll make time to come and be here tonight for that gathering. And then if you see it here on the, on the wall, uh, we're going to begin a new series in, in the scriptures on the book of First Peter. That will begin the week after next. Next week is Mother's Day. 
And then the following week we will begin in First Peter. So some of you have already been reading that book and, and digesting it, and I would encourage you to do that, and we will get there, Lord willing. We, we'd attended to do that a bit earlier, and then with weather and some of the things that happened, it pushed the beginning of that series back a bit. And because of that, the last couple of times that we've come to the Lord's table, I've just taken some time to talk about the significance of this. And the text that we have this morning, again, we'll talk about the significance of the Lord's table to us and what it should mean for us as believers and how we should view it. We have open communion here at Richland, and so we, we, you need not be a member here to partake. We just ask that you would live under the invitation, and I'll be talking a bit about that invitation to some degree this morning in this text. And so uh, we would invite you to consider coming as they're distributed to us at the end of the service. But let me take you to this text now. I want you to go with me to verse 27. Um, As we read that particular portion of Scripture where Paul is giving instruction to the Corinthian church, um, he is is chastising them a bit and bringing some correction to them. He's heard some things um, that he's not sure whether some of it is amplified a bit, but he wants to to deal with it and, and talk about it directly. And he does in this text about some ways that they seem to be abusing the Lord's Supper. And that's part of the context of what we'll talk about this morning. But the, the verse that I want you to look at specifically here as we begin is verse 27, where it says, Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of concerning the body and blood of the Lord. And it goes on to say, let that person examine himself then and eat and drink as he eats and drinks of the cup. And then it gives a warning. It says in verse 29, for anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many of you are weak and ill and some of you have died. But if we judged ourselves truly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined so that we may not be condemned along with the world. That warning of being careful and coming in a worthy manner is directed to believers. It's not directed to unbelievers who come to the Lord's table and don't understand it and can't understand it. It's talking about believers. It's saying be careful. Be careful to come in a worthy manner so that you will not be judged, not ultimately judged, not condemned. There's no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. Not condemned, but disciplined. And it's pretty severe discipline in some cases. Discipline that entails being ill, illness that might even lead to death. And the, the, the text says that you may not be condemned along with the world. That's why I don't think it's judgment. The world will be judged if they don't discern the meaning of this table. If they don't embrace Christ. But for Christian, it is discipline. Now, now that seems awfully harsh, but I, I lay that there because of the significance. Don't take it lightly when he says, coming in a worthy, an unworthy manner. Paul doesn't take it lightly. He's, he's bringing some pretty severe teaching to the Corinthian church about the abuses at the Lord's table. But the question you ask is, what does he mean? Don't come in an unworthy manner. Does that mean if you've had a bad week that you should abstain here this morning? Or that if you had a good week, you're coming in a worthy manner? 
Think about that. Does it have to do with your week previous to our coming to the table when he talks about not coming in an unworthy manner? I don't think so. I don't think that's what he's talking about. Because at the foundation, the foundation of our coming to this table is not our worthiness. So he says, come in a worthy manner, but the foundation of this very table is an acknowledgement of our unworthiness. So what does he mean in that text? Listen to the invitation. This is, this is what we have in our bulletin every week. It says this, For all who live in rebellion against God and unbelief, this holy food and drink will bring you only further condemnation. If you have not yet cast the full weight of your hope on the finished work of Jesus Christ and now seek to live under his gracious reign, we ask you to abstain. That's just a, that's just a statement to unbelievers. You don't understand it. You can't understand it. Don't take of this table. Don't do it. But then it goes, nevertheless, for those of you who have acknowledged your sin and affirmed your faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ, the promise is sure. Whoever eats my body and drinks my blood has eternal life and will not come into condemnation. You are invited to this sacred meal not because you are worthy in yourselves, in yourself, but because you are clothed in Christ's righteousness. Right there. You are not coming. You dare not come this morning because you are worthy of coming in that sense of the word. This is a declaration of our unworthiness. It's a declaration of the mercy of God. It's a declaration that He provides a righteousness that we couldn't accomplish in ourselves. It's why He died. It's why He declared it's finished. So so again, we ask the question, what does it mean to come in a worthy manner even if the foundation of our coming is unworthiness? You see? It's important as we look at this because... That that may seem like a subtle thing. But it's not about your past week. That's not what it's talking about. The worthiness and the worthy way to come is talking about something different than that. I want to talk about four things that I think it is saying to us and then we're going to come. The first one, um, part of coming in a worthy manner, I think, is doing it together. Part of coming in a worthy manner is doing it together. Now let me say, there are times when I take this this uh, supper to shut-ins and people who can't get out, people who can't make it here. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with serving it to someone who can't make it to this gathering. But the basic premise of this meal is that the church does it together. Now, there are exceptions to that, but it's to be done together. Look at the scripture. Look at verse 18. It says this, For in the first place, when you come together as a church, let that just just jump out at you a minute. When you come together as a church, as a local church, not the church universal, not believers everybody, but as a local assembly, as you come together as a church, That's the way it should be taken. Part of coming in a worthy manner is to not forsake yourself coming together with the church to take of this meal together. It's a meal. It's a a celebration together with the body of Christ. 
not to neglect that. Don't, don't run away from that. Don't, don't live an individualistic kind of Christian life that it's just about me. Christianity is about the body of Christ and being a part of the body of Christ and doing things together. In fact, that's the very thing that Paul was coming against in this text. The very context of what he was writing. And the problem that was happening in the Corinthian church was that they were getting together as a church, but they weren't acting like a church. They were making a mockery of this table by what they were doing, by the way they were exercising church. Because they would come together and they would have a meal previous to the, to the supper. In other words, they would do this at the end of their meal. But what was happening in the Corinthian church is some who had brought their food to eat and they became gluttons. And some who had means brought their drink to drink and they became drunkards. At the same time, there were poor among them who went hungry and without drink. And what happened is there was a pecking order that got set up. It says in verse 21, For in eating, one goes ahead with his own meal. One goes hungry. Another gets drunk. What? Do you not have houses to eat and drink in or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I commend you in this? No, I will not. Church should not be that way. Church isn't about pecking orders. The church is the people of God who come together knowing the foundation of their worthiness is Christ who all are at the same ground at the foot of the cross. Social, economic kinds of things fade away. In fact, the church should be distinctly different than any other gathering because of that. And whenever we allow those kinds of artificial barriers to enter into the church, the church isn't doing what the church ought to do. It's making a mockery. It's making a mockery of Christ and His name. And so Paul doesn't give them any encouragement. He comes against them. He, he chastises them. Don't do that. Don't do that. Uh, it's amazing to me what, what sometimes gets the name Christianity hung on it. The things people do sometimes in the name of, of Christianity. We just, people, if, we just have to stop. It ought not to be. It just ought not to be. And that's what Paul was saying. Has no place. Has no place. Um, it's interesting here in verse 19 how he puts it. He says, For there must be factions among you in order that those who are genuine among you may be recognized. It's an interesting point Paul puts out in that text. These factions. What, what he's really saying is that the wheat and tares grow up together. I mean, one of the things about the church is that the wheat and the tares grow up together. There are true believers and those who are not true believers in the church. And we can't always sort all of that out, although sometimes they, they just kind of sift the top when they, when they persist in things like this. When they persist in things that just ought not to be. After a while, you just say, tares. It's not the way that people of God ought to work and ought to operate. Now, do we go in and rip them all out? That parable says, be careful. Be careful. But there's just a sense in which at times it doesn't feel right, it doesn't seem right. It's not right. 
church operates distinctly different, and this was wrong. This was wrong. When you come together as a church, Paul says, don't let it be that way. The second thing, uh, you, you do it as a church. You do it coming together. The second thing is you don't do it cavalierly. You, you don't do it flippantly. Um, you have to be careful. One of the things, we, we, we try to strike a balance. There's really no, no clear admonition in Scripture of how often you should take the Lord's Supper. Some believe you should do it every week. Some, some do it quarterly. We have decided to do it monthly. The reason we do it monthly is to do it often enough that we do it, that we come together as a church and celebrate it, but not so often that it just becomes routine, that we just go through motions. We never should just go through motions. If you find yourself just going through the motions of this, be careful. That's part, I think, of doing it in an unworthy manner. One of the things I appreciate most, most Sunday mornings when our worship team gets together, the prayer that's prayed is that don't let us just come to the table routinely. Let, let it have a significance. Let it have a weightiness. It ought to have a weightiness. If there's no weightiness, if there's a flippancy about it, if there's a cavalier attitude, if there's no sacred seriousness about this table, something is wrong. Verse 28 says, Let a person examine himself then, and so eat and drink of the cup. Examine ourselves. Stop. Think about what we're doing. Think about our lives. Now, there's a place, I think, for confession. There's a place to search our hearts. There's a place to confess sin. There's a place to confess sin we don't even see in our lives. There was a sacrifice in the Old Testament for the unknown sin. There's a reason for that because sometimes we sin and we don't even know it. We don't even know it. We're blinded to our own sin. That's why sin is so pervasive. Sometimes we see it and we go on and, and, and run over the top of seeing it and continue where we shouldn't continue. And sometimes we just run over the top because we don't even see it. We're just blinded to our own blindness, to our own sin. And so there's a place to search your heart. There's a place when you come to this table to, to search it and, and ask God to forgive me and cleanse me from unrighteousness. To, as we've started to learn in my Sunday school, to become what you are. You are perfect in Christ. So live out that perfection in, in the process of sanctification. Let God make you what you are and one day will be perfect. And part of that process is what we do is we come to communion, search our hearts, Show me my sin. Be grateful for the promise of the new covenant. We read it this morning in my Sunday school class, but let me, let me read it to you again. This is the promise. One of the things I think we want to do when we confess sin, always when we confess sin and confess our shortcomings, is to remember texts like this where it says in Jeremiah, the promise of the new covenant. In fact, Jesus said when he gave, or Paul said when he talked about this, this is the new covenant in my blood. That's what we're... Representing That's what's represented here at the table. Listen to what that new covenant promises. And they shall be my people and I will be their God. I will give them one heart and one way that they may fear me forever for their own good and for the good of their children after them. I will make with them an everlasting covenant that I will not turn away from doing good to them. I will put the fear of me in their hearts that they may not turn from me. I will rejoice in doing them good. Those are the kinds of things I think as we examine our hearts and we start to, to, to 
look at the promises of God, the promise of the new covenant, that God will take these heart, heart of, of, uh, of stone and make it a heart of flesh. Soften the heart. Soften our hearts. Make my heart be pliable and, and amenable to you, Lord. That's the kind of way we come. Not, not again in some way to make ourselves worthy. But the foundation of our worthiness is Christ. It's always Christ. It will never be more than Christ. In fact, if you start to believe the foundation of your worthiness is a good week, you've become unworthy to the table. If you start to rest on your worthiness to come today is because you've had a pretty good week. You become unworthy. You will come in an unworthy manner to this table. That's the, that's the conundrum of that. Come worthily. The foundation of our worthiness is Christ. Understanding that, knowing that it's the promise of the new covenant that God will take a people and make them his people and work in them part of coming. It's part of reflecting. The third thing is this. It's a time to remember the foundation of that coming. Again, we've already talked about that. The foundation of our coming is the righteousness of Christ. It is the fact He finished the work. The fact that He sat down at the right hand of the Father. The Bible says a couple of different times here in this text. In verse 24, it says, And when He had given thanks, He broke it and He said, This is My body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of Me. In the same way he took the cup. Also, he took the cup after supper, saying, This is the cup of the new covenant of my blood. Do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. In remembrance of me. In remembrance of the foundation. My completed work on the cross. We must, we must remain there. The foundation of all the benefits is his finished work. Remembering him. The fact that we know that we're forgiven. That we, we, we're forgiven as we come to this table. We, we, we no longer have our sins held against us. You, you, do not, you do not get your sins not to be held against you as a believer as you come confessing them before you come to this table. If you're in Christ, they will never be held against you. If Christ took the punishment for your sin, He took it. For, he, for God to exact it upon you as well, would be injustice. You see, the foundation of it is Christ, is His righteousness. The the confession part of it is us becoming what we already are in Christ, already what our foundation tells us, that we have the imputed, perfect righteousness of Christ that covers us. All of those things we need to remember. And and one of the things that we try to do when we come to the table, not so much this morning, but in many occasions, is just talk about one of those benefits. One of the benefits of, of all that Christ has come in, accomplished, one of the benefits of the foundation He has laid for us, benefits like forgiveness and other things. And we get to participate in that. Turn back with me to, to chapter 10 for a minute, if you have your Bibles. Just flip back. Last week, or last month, when we came to the table, this whole idea of remembrance. Let me remind you what I said. In, in chapter 10, he's talking about idolatry here, but he's also talking about the Lord's Supper in the previous chapter. But he says this in verse 16, The cup of blessing that we bless, is it not the participation in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? What does he mean, participation? Does it mean 
it actually becomes the blood and body of Christ? Well, we don't believe that. What is the participation? Is it eating his body? Is it drinking his blood? No. Participation is the benefits of his spilt blood and his broken body. We participate in the benefits that that accomplished. We are participating in all that that is for us. That's what remembering is. Remembering the promises of God for us in Christ. And then finally, to come worthily, is to to realize that this is a proclamation of his death until he comes. A proclamation of my hope in his death. Um, God is for me. That's what his death says to us. What, what this table speaks to, to, to us and what we should think about as we come in a worthy manner is that it speaks that God is for me and not against me. He rejoices, remember in Jeremiah, he rejoices to do what? Good to me. There is no wrath in this table. Now, discipline, we did talk about discipline. We did talk sometimes judgment in the sense that we're not to be judged like the world, but that is for our good. Even that's for our good. Even those who came to the table who were not tares, but wheat, true true believers of the elect, all those God is saving, even those who came and, and participated in some wrong ways here in Corinthians. And suffered judgment because of that, a judgment that led to sickness and to some death, even that was for their good. It was for the good that they would not be judged as the world is judged. God does everything for our good, for our ultimate good. That's the kind of God we have, a gracious God, a God who put all of His wrath on His Son for His elect All of it there. There's none left for those he is saving. None. Those are the kinds of things that we are proclaiming. We are proclaiming the Lord's death, the benefits of his death. And every time we come, every time we come to this table, to come in a worthy manner, is to to think of those things, to, to dwell on those things, to rejoice in those things, to see that what this table represents. You see... To come in a worthy manner is to come engaged, realizing the significance, asking God to show you more of the significance of what this table means to you. It's really declaring the treasure that it is. To come to this table is to see what this is and the participation in it as as the greatest treasure in all of the world. And God has helped me to see it as a treasure. I hope this morning that that you understand that and every time you come and in one way or another those kinds of things come to your mind. Don't, Don't casually come to the table. Don't casually. There's nothing casual about it. It has great significance. We proclaim the Lord's death. And as we do, as we come, what I talked about last week in my message happens. Let me, let me close with that and then we're going to come to the table. As, as, we, uh, as we were closing last week, we talked about our existence statement. That we exist to magnify Jesus Christ so that people might see, savor, and declare the glory of God in the face of Christ. And we talked about 
seeing and savoring, looking on Christ. That, that as a church we magnify Him. This table magnifies Christ. The, the, the purpose of this table is to magnify what He is, Him and what He's done. Not, not make Him bigger than He is, but just lift Him up. Lift Him up to us so that we see Him. We see the glory of God in the face of Christ. And this text that we closed with last week happens in our lives. In verse 18 of chapter 3. And we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord. Beholding the glory here. Beholding the glory of the Lord in the face of Christ. Are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. That's God's purpose for His church. That His church comes together collectively to see the glory of the Father in the face of His Son. So that in turn that glory will be reflected to us and to our world through us. This morning, do you see the gloriousness of this table? That's what coming in a, in a worthy manner is about. Is seeing the glories and stuff. And, and to the degree to which you don't, this morning you're sitting here and saying, I, I understand the language, I, I just don't feel it. I'm not experiencing it experientially in my life. I know here makes sense, but, but the disconnect of my heart. So what do you do? How do you come in a worthy manner? You just repent and say, God, how can something so glorious not affect me. Help me. Help me, Lord. Help me to experience the gloriness of this table as I come. That's, that's coming in a worthy manner. And knowing the foundation of our worthiness is God. God showing it to us and God working in our hearts to continue to show it to us. We're going to come to the Lord's table this morning. The worship team is going to come and play prepare us as we come to the table this morning. I'd like for those who are going to help us to distribute the elements to come as well. Let me read to you as they're coming one more time the institution. This is is what we read. This is what Paul says. For I receive from the Lord what I also deliver to you that the Lord Jesus on the night that he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and he said, this is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way he took the cup and after supper saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. God help us. body of Christ represented to us, taken hold and we take together.
Christianity is distinctly unique among religions of the world. As you hold this in your hand, Jesus said, this is my body. Now, we don't believe that it turns into his body, but it's representative of his body. A body that was bruised and broken and bled literally in history. An event that occurred in history. 
as sure as you hold this bread this morning, that is a historical event that it represents. You don't have to conjure up some new age kind of mumbo jumbo in your life. It's real. It's real. It's tangible. It's historic. And based on that historic event in history, we proclaim the benefits of the Lord's death until He comes. Take and eat and be grateful. Christ again you can hold it represents an event that happened
again this morning. We hold it in our hands. He sang this morning, His wounds provide my ransom. An act of history. His death and resurrection. Take and drink. Stand together, if you would. The worship team's going to lead us in that last verse again. Let's sing it together in our benediction this morning. I will not post in anything, no gifts, no power, no wisdom, but I will post in Jesus Christ. Should I came from his reward?